Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In the prison of a hospital bed, or in the prison of a cancer, or in the prison of any illness, or the prison of a horrible job, or the prison of losing a spouse, or the prison of a divorce, or the prison of Alzheimer's and loss of memory, or the prison of just where we just don't want to be. What we should do is to turn to the Lord and say, oh my, what a mess. We've got a lot of work to do. Let's get work together here. I'm glad we're a team together. And then remember those around us that God loves them and he's sending us to do a work of transformation as well. The point is, Joseph was not alone in the prison. And there were other prisoners who benefited from the new team of Joseph and the Lord when they arrived in the prison. And the next chapter, we're going to read about two of those notable prisoners, the butler and the baker, who were helped by the team of Joseph and the Lord. Paul and Silas, they weren't alone in the prison, other prisoners. And then we find out that there was a notable jailer in the prison in Acts 16.30, Acts 16.30, who said in Acts 16.30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The apostle John was not alone on the prison island of Patmos. And when he wrote the book of Revelation, and we can imagine how John spoke to his fellow prisoners there on that island and said, hey, let me tell you about the revelation I saw and about the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know what? You too can have him wash you from your sins in his own blood. And John Bunyan He wasn't alone in the prison of Bedford, England, just north of London, when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress from a dream that he had one night. And we can only imagine how John Bunyan spoke to his fellow prisoners and said, hey, let me tell you about a dream I had last night about a person who became a Christian and spent his whole life on his way to heaven. You know what, boys? You too can become a Christian and start your journey to heaven as well. Now, When it says in verse 21 that the Lord was with Joseph, it's important to remember no one could see that. No one could see the Lord himself. All they were seeing was Joseph. And the people were all the time wanting to say, you know, about Joseph, there's no team. There's just Joseph. Come on. It's just Joseph. And then, so they're wanting to say, it's just you, Joseph. It's just you. You're great, Joseph. Great, Joseph. And Joseph is all the time constantly telling the people, no, I'm part of a two-man, a two-person team two-person team. The other person is the Lord who is not seen. So when the butler and the baker in the prison with Joseph, they didn't see a two-person team, but only saw Joseph. Joseph told them, I'm part of a two-person team. In verse 8 of the next chapter, 
chapter 40, verse 8, Genesis 40, verse 8, they said unto him, We've dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I'll pray you. So Joseph is telling them, Hey, boys, I'm part of a two person team. Tell me your dream. And my other teammate, my unseen teammate, the Lord, he's going to interpret your dreams. And then when Joseph was in the palace with Pharaoh, when Pharaoh in the palace looked at Joseph, he didn't see two persons. He didn't see two persons, a team, but he only saw Joseph. Pharaoh only saw Joseph. And Joseph told Pharaoh, no, 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 I'm part of a two-person team in Genesis 41, verse 15. Genesis 41, 15. Genesis 41, 15 says, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee, the thou can understand a dream to interpret it. See, there he's going with, uh, I only see one person. And then in verse 16, following on, Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So here again, Joseph is saying, hey, I'm part of a two-person team. Tell me your dream. My other teammate, my unseen team member of the Lord, he'll interpret your dream. And Joseph was successful in getting Pharaoh to understand that Joseph was only one of the members of the two-person team when Pharaoh said in Genesis 41.38, Genesis 41.38, and Genesis 41, 38 says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. In other words, Joseph, Pharaoh said, I got it. I got it. There's a two-person team here. It's you and the Lord. It's you and God. So Joseph was constantly going around telling everyone about his teammate the Lord. And Joseph was telling everyone that his teammate was his great facilitator. And he was always setting Joseph up for success and helping Joseph all through his life. What Joseph was doing was relying on his unseen teammate and being careful to give his teammate, the Lord, all the glory, all the credit, all the honor. And that's a pattern for us. Joseph's a pattern for us here. Just like Joseph, we should always see ourselves as part of a two-person team where the Lord Jesus Christ is the unseen, is our unseen teammate. And just like Joseph, we should do these two things in life. First, we should also always be relying on our unseen teammate. And second, like Joseph, we should always be giving all the glory and the credit and the honor to the Lord as our facilitator in life. We never want God to see us step in front of God and take all the glory and honor with the I did it syndrome. And we never want to hear God say, what am I, chop liver? (laughs) All right, so God never said that about Joseph because Joseph was always so diligent to always give all this credit to his unseen teammate in his game of life. And just like Joseph, our motto is, 1 Timothy 1.17, 1 Timothy 1.17. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And we, we should join Joseph and Moses in the same activity of how to endure these hard things. Hebrews 11.27 is the key. Hebrews 11.27, by faith, speaking of Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, For he endured 
as seeing him who is invisible. <laughs> how do you see someone who's invisible? <laughs> you do. For, and that's how Joseph endured in prison. Joseph endured as seeing him who is invisible. And that's how a Christian endures cancer and any illness and a horrible job and losing a spouse and divorce and Alzheimer's and whatever hard, hardship. Just like Joseph, there's one universal way to endure all these things. It's the Hebrews 11.27 way. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, when you read how verse 21 comes right on the heels of verse 20, he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph, you really get the impression that, you know, he was there in the prison, but the Lord was there. You really get the impression that the Lord was excited to be wherever Joseph went. You know, verse 20 and 21, when you read those like that, it's like the Lord is saying, Joseph was there in prison. Okay, then I'll be with Joseph in prison, the Lord is saying. Verse 21 is it's not like the Lord saying, verse 21 is not like the Lord saying, oh no, prison? Where, where are you going now? What have you gotten yourself into now? Oh, I've got to go to prison now? What a drag. You know, the Lord's not saying that. It's more like the Lord is saying, prison? Great. That's going to be exciting. Oh, we're going to have such an adventure in prison. Let's go. See, verse 21 shows us how the Lord takes very, very seriously this word, we. That's a very serious word with the Lord. We, with himself and Joseph. And if Joseph, sometimes when I'm describing this, I keep saying that we are going to do that. We're going to, and say, so, what do you mean we? You know, okay, well, I, but anyway, because they can't see. But okay. But Joseph was going to prison. If Joseph was going to go to prison, then the Lord said, we are going to prison together, and it's going to be a great time for us in prison. And the same's true for us. He takes the word we in our lives very seriously. And the Lord says to us, if we're going into some adversity, it's going to be a great adventure together. See, the concept of we in verses 20 and 21 is so strong that as if the Lord is saying, okay, where are we going now together? I'm ready to go. It'll be great. It'll be exciting. It'll be an adventure together. Let's go. And as if the Lord is saying to us, you know, are we going to prison? That's great. Can't wait for all the adventures going to happen with our two-man, two-person, I keep saying man, a two-person team as we go to prison together. So that's the concept that we need to embrace in our lives when we're heading into what looks like a terrible situation. It's not the Lord skidding his heels and saying to us, oh, you got yourself into another mess? Oh, pal, I don't think for a moment that I'm going to go with you into that. That's your trouble. That's not what's happening. Just the opposite. The Lord is so committed to us that with this I'm ready spirit, it'll be good, let's go, we're gonna have a great adventure. And this is all behind the Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5, when it says what the Lord said, Hebrews 13.5, he had said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. It's not a statement of reluctance from the Lord, where the Lord's saying, I guess I gotta go. I sure wish you would stop dragging me into these messes. But it's a statement of eagerness on God's part, where the Lord's saying, okay, it's gonna be great, let's go. And this concept of eagerness from the Lord to be with us as a two-person team that we're seeing here in verses 20 and 21, it transforms for us a dismal situation into an exciting situation. It changes the mundane into something fabulous. You know, it transforms life from sitting on death row, just trying to stay as comfortable as possible until death comes and then we get to go to heaven, 
into a life of excitement and seeing the wonderful adventures of a life of we is a two-person team together with God. When we grasp this concept of we and the two-person team of life, it makes it so that we don't feel alone. We never feel alone. You know, this last week I, I went on a, a one-day vacation. You know, I flew to Salt Lake City at 6 in the morning and then flew back home at 10 p.m. at night for my one day of skiing. I'm not in the hospital. <laughs> and whenever I go on vacation alone, I love that because I always say, you know what this is? This is a fantastic father-son retreat. That's what it is. It's an opportunity for me to strengthen my relationship with my Heavenly Father and see what we're going to do together on this trip as a two-person team. Sure enough, my Uber driver was Jewish, and I was able to bring her the gospel. And someone asked me, she says, well, did you bring a date with you? (laughs) I said, a date? I said, no, I didn't want the Lord to say to me, who's she? (laughs) I thought this was going to be a father-son retreat. (laughs) Just you and I together. Okay, never mind. All right, so this is the whole concept behind one word in the first verse in the book of Acts. In the first verse in the book of Acts, it says, maybe you think this is a boring thing. Maybe this is not going to be a verse that you're going to say, well, I've got to memorize that. You know? But it just says, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. What is this? This is the apostle Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, which was the historical account of what Jesus did and taught. And now, the same Apostle Luke is writing his second book called the Book of Acts, and Luke is tying in his second book, Acts, with his first book, Gospel of Luke. And he says about his first book, the Gospel of Luke, he calls that the former treatise which I have made, and he describes it of of all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, Luke is saying there that the gospel of Luke was just what Jesus began to do and teach. And that's the most important word in that verse, that first verse in the book of Acts. It's the word began. Because the reason the word began is used is because when the Lord Jesus was on earth, he just began to do and teach. He didn't finish. He's not finished yet. And in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus began to do and to teach, but now the Lord Jesus continues, continues to do and to teach, but as two-person team of you and the Lord Jesus, of me and the Lord Jesus. And the book of Acts is an account of what the Lord Jesus continued to do at that time, to do and to teach. And the two-person team of Paul and the Lord, and the two-person team of Peter and the Lord, and the two-person team of James and the Lord. And now we have our own personal book of Acts, and it's being written now of what the Lord Jesus continues to do and teach with the two-person team of you and the Lord, and the two-person team of me and the Lord. That's why no matter what adverse situations we find ourselves in, we should look around to find others and then talk to our unseen teammate and ask him, Oh my, (laughs) what a mess. Lord, what are we going to do together as a continuation of what you began to do and to teach? It reminds me when I was at UCSD Cancer Center, and I remember being in the lobby of the radiation therapy unit there. Joyful experience of getting radiation. And there was a man, I can still see him in my mind, he was a man, he lost his wife to cancer. 
and he had cancer on his face, and the whole half of his face was bandaged up as he was getting these high doses of radiation on his face trying to stop the cancer. And what he was doing, he was, just, he was alone. He didn't have a spouse anymore. He was just walking silently from patient to patient, and then he would leave a gospel track on the tables next to the patient. Didn't say a word. Just left a gospel track. That man was not letting the loss of his spouse to cancer knock him down. That man was not letting his own cancer on his face knock him down. That man had just said to the Lord, okay, Lord, here we are together at the UCSD Cancer Center. What can we do together? This is going to be an exciting adventure of us continuing to do and to teach what you began in the Gospels. Let's go. That's the transformation of a dismal life into a life of adventure with God, a great life with God. And for Joseph, it meant that the prison was now turned into a palace with God. Now, let's look at the end of verse 20 from a different perspective. When it says there at the end of verse 20, and he was there in prison, that's like a statement of the result of what happened to Joseph as a result of making Potiphar's wife, or making his boss's wife angry. You know, one way to look at that result is to see in Joseph a young person, his life, Joseph's life, was a young person who was ambitiously working hard and building his career. And Joseph had everything going for him in his bright career. He had advanced his career from a common slave in Egypt right up the ladder to a position of top management over the household of a very powerful and influential man in Egypt. And Joseph, in his career was learning and he was being creative and he was seeing his ideas come into realization. Very fulfilling. It was like a dream come true, a dream job for Joseph when he was over Potiphar's house. Many people would have loved to have been in Joseph's place and had Joseph's job. And who knows where Joseph would have gone from there. His career path was bright. It was open and the past was now fallen behind him. It was only a faint memory of his brothers casting him into the prison, and, I mean, into the pit, and then he was a common slave there. And now the future looks great for Joseph as his career is really moving forward. But in a moment, he has to make a quick decision. Should he risk making the boss's wife mad or not? Should he agree with the boss's wife and make a moral compromise and lie with her or not? And in that moment, Joseph said no. And then quickly, Joseph is flung down from where he had climbed up in his career. And from that one decision that Joseph made, Joseph finds himself, in the end of verse 20, he was there in the prison. He was there in the prison. The most important word And that phrase is the word there. That's an important word because it's referring to there. (laughs) There, that night in the prison is contrasted with there where Joseph was in the morning an overseer of Potiphar's house. But Joseph made a decision to not compromise with Potiphar's wife and instantly Joseph went from there to there. And now Joseph has found himself with his career ruined. And what would the world say? What would the world say to Joseph? The world would say, Joseph, you totally ruined your career. You worked so hard to mount up your career ladder. Now look at you. You're there in the prison. 
All you had to do was just compromise a little bit, not make the boss's wife angry at you. You could have kept your career, but you threw it all away, all because of your principles, your stupid principles. And were your principles really worth it, really worth you losing your career? Joseph, you're a fool. Now, that's how the world would see Joseph, as a fool. And Joseph would not expect the world to see in him anything else except a fool because of what's written in 1 Corinthians 1.25. 1 Corinthians 1.25. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So what's the answer? What's Joseph's answer to the world's conclusion that you're a fool to having thrown your career away over your principles? The answer is verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. God's answer is that Joseph's career is not over yet. It's not over yet. There's still a future in Joseph's career as we're gonna see, as we know. And the Lord Jesus made this promise about these kind of things, these losses, in Luke 18, 29, Luke 18, 29, Luke 18, 29 says, and he said unto them, verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. The end, the end, which we're not at yet, the end will show whether or not Joseph was a fool And for us, our hope goes beyond. Our hope goes beyond this short life. It's a very short life. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life, it's a very short life. You look at how many (laughs) empty spots we have in our pews, right? It's not that long. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, we're going to follow the Lord Jesus in resurrection. Now, for Joseph, right is right and sin is sin. For Joseph, it's the words of the martyred missionary Jim Elliott. That's his motto. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. For Joseph, it was better for him to have a clean conscience and the continued presence of God and be in prison than to sin against God and do wickedness and sit at the king's table. Now, and the end is going to show this. In Proverbs, it's going to show Proverbs 23, 18 is going to happen for Joseph. Proverbs 23, 18. For surely there is an end, and that expectation shall not be cut off. Shall not be cut off. In other words, the reward is not really very far away, as it is with Joseph. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being such a great God, such a great teammate. And Lord, help us to honor you, rely on you, and to give credit to you as our teammate in our game of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.
tomcantor.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.